Welcome to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoteric Nerd Podcast, Episode 96, in which I interview visionary artist Adam Scott Miller. But first, Transformation and This is the segment in which I read my father's book. This is Transformations by John Dan Reeb, 1976. Chapter 4, verse 2. It's all been done before, acted out before, laughed at before, taken seriously before, made war over before, made peace over before, institutionalized before, understood before, misunderstood before, rebelled against by oncoming generations before, and then done again in exactly the same way, but somehow differently enough to start the whole cycle rolling again before. Verse 3. I've even told you what I'm about to tell you before. The eggheads and theologians will have fun putting significance upon this as they have before, won't they? Verse 4. Once before I achieved certainty about journeying, I had a dream. I don't know what it was, except that I remember it was very, very boring. Something turgid and undigested properly. The body stuck whatever, and they would probably be right as far as they go with it. Verse 5. Anyhow, I announced in the sleep world, to whomever was there, that I was bored and wished that they would change the tape. I received an answer in a sort of stewardess voice, only this one needed more PR training because she whined a bit. We're only trying to entertain you. They changed the tape. It was much better. No footnotes, really, except for, uh, I'm sure if he had been writing in 2017 rather than 1976, he would have said flight attendant rather than stewardess. Our guest tonight is an acute and lifelong visionary artist. He has intensively pursued ways of discovering and translating mystical insight into visual art. And so, without further ado, Let's get to that interview, shall we? Greetings, Fratter. Welcome to the Esoteria Nerd Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, wonderful. Um, Yeah, just... uh, I was uh, just planning a day of a painting vigil or painting marathon nice so, yeah i saw the one you've been working on oh well which or at one least the one I you posted the peacock yeah that one is that oh, a older yeah, one that, that's from that's from last year oh got it okay yeah yeah i finished that um yeah at the end of last year feathered pearl um yeah right now i'm working on a um a painting from a 
vision I had in uh, Yosemite National Park in California. Oh, how cool. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, well, um, yeah, often when I have an opportunity to, uh, well, more or less, uh, hike in a natural environment, um, you know, I strive to, uh, move or, or let go of myself to be in a Zen state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that the more, uh, empty of myself or empty of like, you know, um, thoughts and emotions I am, you know, less, less obstacles there are that clutter my, uh, you know, clear vision yeah, or, or third eye vision, whatever. Mm. Um, so like, um, particularly in the last 17 years, I've been developing that ability. And so in like the context of hiking through nature, um, going in a Zen state and then my, you know, ability or our ability to, um, see more clearly is revealed. And, and for instance, the, uh, the, the energies, uh, the energy network, uh, that's normally filtered out by our, um, cultural and biological, um, perceptual prejudices are out of the way. Um, so see energies for instance, and, um, find that every, every thing, whether sound or, uh, the wind, a particular way a leaf moves and when it does, uh, the composition of what you see is just pregnant with meaning. Um, because, uh, uh, one of my primary insights in my development was that, uh, life in life, um, are, uh, we are literally in a conversation with the cosmos. Um, uh, like, uh, uh, we are a part of a hyper organism or absolutely everything is meaningful no matter how large or small is profoundly meaningful and a gateway to gnosis. Um, one, you know, tapping into, um, uh, being without obstacles linked up to knowing everything, you know, because you're linked up to the, uh, collective, consciousness yeah how cool 
Yeah. So you have so, you have a, a painting like you're, you 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 have a training like a background in did you did you go to school for that? Uh huh. Yes. Uh. Well. Combined with I, the the site, I mean, it's it's a great combination. Like bringing being able to bring a psychedelic state, for instance, into something where I can look at it and go, oh yeah, I think I had a very similar experience once on a lot of mushrooms. I, I know where that is, kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, I, I, I've always explicitly been an artist since I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was like, you know, my distinct um, talent and almost like therapy because, uh, you know, re even reflecting on how it was for me as a four-year-old, five-year-old, it, it, I was drawn to it for many reasons. One being it was, you know, felt wonderful and therapeutic because uh, the um, boundary between inside and outside dissolved hmm. uh, where, you know, the inner met the outer in a form of expression. Yeah. So that was always my, you know, talent and then, uh, then when I was a teenager, perhaps, yeah, when I was basically like 15, um, I had the beginning of a series of initiations. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> Uh, one, one like significant one that is, uh, that has a f been a life shaper was a concussion I, I got from playing soccer and, uh, it, you know, it, it, you know, head injury, it like, you know, it gave me like constant, a constant headache and some memory problems for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but um, the significant thing was that it um, I started seeing energies immediately or yeah pretty much immediately afterwards um, like energies in the sense of um, energies swimming in the environment as if they're there yeah like like auras. But not just around people, around everything. Energies like snake-like tendrils um, slithering across the floor and up walls, um, etc. You know, all sorts. And 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 so, and, uh, I I made sense of this primarily because um, I knew that my optic nerves suffered trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, they were jarred very much by this concussion, um, and they were damaged. And the optic nerves is the first biological filtering mechanism in the body, uh, because our nervous systems act as act more so like reducing valves and translators yeah. of of the information that we're taking in. And so, by my optic nerve filters being damaged less was being filtered out. Oh, I see. And so I was able to perceive these energies. 
and I knew that they weren't more or less, you know, rationally knew they weren't, um, you know, hallucinations per se, because they behaved and moved in 3d space. Yeah. For, uh, like they weren't just, you know, s- stickered on or, uh, 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 yeah, stuck on by my imagination. I like, like, like 2d pictures, but, but like say for instance, observing someone's aura and, and looking at the forms in it, um, if their body rotated, well, simultaneously, those forms would rotate as 3D forms, just like their body. Mm. So, like, I don't know. I don't think my imagination could hallucinate that immediately. Yeah. Uh, so, so like, rationally is, you know, um, Occam's Razor uh, said that, well, yeah, it's uh, probably... Uh, real (laughs) yeah my dad had a similar uh thing where he uh got in a concussion or you know he had a concussion in a car accident and at the time he was 19 and christian scientist so he didn't see a doctor about it uh but his left hand shook violently for the rest of his life and he was left-handed which made for some interesting handwriting and apparently he was psychic after that um the other thing that what you were saying reminded me of was when i first smoked dmt um, after I came back from the other place, <laughs> um, and I looked around, I, I was in a, a house that was natural wood and the, the wood, the, the patterns on the wood were flowing up the walls and, mm-hmm. and in a way that, uh, yeah, was tracing the contours of the 3d space. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, the person I was with at the time had this, these, purple lights that were moving up her spine and and going down the front and making an arrow and she saw them too and that was another thing that was kind of interesting but i got the distinct feeling that what i had um for one thing the plants were speaking to me the plants were very much like oh you finally notice us like i noticed i noticed them when i was one or two and then at a certain point i bought into this idea that oh well those are just trees you know that's not as interesting as atari and uh but i came back to oh hi sorry to have been ignoring you all this time (laughs) and not not only that but the wood in the house was alive too so it wasn't like oh well that's dead wood and that's living wood it was the house was alive too it was pretty pretty profound yeah profound animism everything is alive yeah is that yeah everything is energy and we perceive it in a certain way uh because of its inherent structure but also uh the way we've evolved uh biologically and culturally yeah things things are clothed by our uh by the vocabulary of our belief systems yeah and then underneath that is us as the human organism, you know, surviving and needing to take for granted anything that isn't directly related to our survival. And so hence those energies that are there, we, we're not, we're tuned out of because they're not necessary. Like, uh, 
I, I, it was what you were saying reminded me of Aldous Huxley, uh, Doors of Perception, when he was talking about how uh, the senses filter out. So that yeah, we get all this stuff, and the you know the the retina takes in more than what ends up getting transmitted through the optic nerve and all of that, and probably that gets filtered even more once it's being processed in the brain. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so uh, I'm back to answering your question yeah. regarding regarding school. Oh, yeah. um, so sorry. These series of initiations: first the concussion, um, and then yeah, and start smoking cannabis, and and started like I don't know, thinking about things differently, alternatively. Um, had the in, had the internet, uh, so and and you know started reading lots of books, particularly you know books regarding um mind expansion in some way yeah uh, um you know socio-political ecological concerns uh spirituality um and discovered psychedelics <clears throat> uh and um i was temporarily um expelled from my high school because uh people were drinking lots of robitussin mm. so in my alternative um rationale of benevolence <laughs> i was like hmm well i'm gonna give them a healthy alternative so so uh, so i started um giving people hawaiian baby woodrose seeds uh, which has uh, 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 lysergic acid amides, oh, nice. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, natural occur occurring equivalent to, I mean, you know, close relative to LSD. Right. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, someone ratted me out for that, uh, and they found a Swiss Army knife in my bag, which they interpreted as some sort of gang weapon, <laughs> though, though I used ridiculous. it to file my nails on the school bus. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, being temporarily expelled from high school gave me tons of extra time to work on my art. And then, and so I was able to develop a portfolio that got me into one of the two top art schools in the U.S. Oh, great. On the second biggest scholarship. And so, Which uh, yeah. Which school was that? Um, the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, four, four years there, got a bachelor's, um, in illustration. And then I, w I w went to the Massachusetts College of Art, got a master's of fine arts in painting. So that, that was six total years of schooling. Hmm. <clears throat> um, and, uh, so yeah, that, that, so yeah, I've been, I've had like 60 teachers or something. Oh, cool. But I'd say only one or two were particularly helpful. Yeah, that's interesting. So in, in general, too, like um, <clears throat> people who, artists who ask me regarding school, I personally do not recommend it in the least hmm. if it's going to cost much money. Yeah. Um, what is the smart thing to do? 
um, is to seek out a an artist who can teach you that's doing something who, who you know is doing something that you want to do. Yeah. If you so, don't mind my asking, who were those two teachers? <clears throat> um, uh, well, um, there, there was one, there, there was one academic teacher that was really cool, but the two, uh, two actual visual artists teachers that were very helpful, uh, were Jose Villarubia, mm -hmm. who's, uh, who's worked with Alan Moore. Okay. Uh, who, who you might know, he's the, <clears throat> um, super famous, um, He's comic popularized uh, uh, sigil chaos sigil magic. Uh, yeah, him and Grant Morrison. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Moore is a super famous comic author and uh, has a self great beard. Just <laughs> yeah. So um, Jose Villarubia, um, but um, yeah, uh, Susan Waters Eller is just mm. my model for what a great teacher is. How cool. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, so yeah, six years of schooling and stuff. Um, and then after that, uh, started traveling for opportunities and making lots of artwork <clears throat> and then, um, going to festivals, you know, I, I discovered, um, well, okay. Early on, early on with, uh, I discovered Alex, the artist, Alex Gray. Mm hmm. <clears throat> who uh, back in 2001 um w uh you know alongside um the band tools lateralis album oh yeah uh which i still consider to be the greatest album ever made mm. uh yeah i, I mean i'm biased <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> uh yeah discovered his work and he was like wow this is he's doing he's doing what i more or less something very similar to what i want to do mm -hmm. you know as an archetype um and and then and then many many years later i discovered that there was you know a visionary you know psychedelic spiritual transformational culture scene mm -hmm. and so I started going to these festivals and um, one brought me to Australia and eventually soon thereafter moved here and now stay here because I have a daughter. Mm, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. My I daughter, oh, Maya Lily is four years old. How sweet. I yeah. remember, uh, when, uh, Temple of Visions came on the scene, uh, it was first as a, as a cubicle at the hive and then at, at what they took over in fusion, the place next door and uh, seeing some of your work there. I think I bought your Magdalene. I bought a print from there. Oh, wow. Um, Back in 2006, or no, 2009, uh, I think it was by then. Yeah. Something wow. Like oh, okay. I, I had, I had no, no idea you were in LA. Where are you now? I'm in LA. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but but I, in, in less than two weeks, I'm gonna be in South Africa. And then after that, Nepal. So I'm going to yes. be heading over there. But uh, what's bringing you to um, uh, Nepal? Uh, well, basically, uh, you know, it being kind of where Buddha and Shiva and Padmasambhava all kind of came from. 
I feel like that's the place where I want to start. And uh, so it's sort of a pilgrimage um, of sorts. I'm going to go to where the Buddha was born, uh, but at the same time, um, kind of seeing the places where Padmasambhava and Yeshi Tsogil went. So kind of I'm simultaneously walking in the 8th century and the 6th century BC on that one. Um, <clears throat> just because my, my dad had a strong interest in Tibetan Tantric Yoga and taught me uh, a bit when I was growing up. So I ended up diving into Western stuff as a teenager after he died and intending to eventually get into dive into the Tibetan. But it took me uh, longer than I had anticipated to uh, finish what I was doing in the Western path. But so then, so part of that is I'm, um, there's a, a group of people in South Africa called the Gnostic church of the black sun coup. And they, uh, study a variety of mysteries, but with Africa at the center. And, uh, so I'm going in the spirit of bringing the mysteries that were kind of taken from Africa back to Africa, uh, teaching, you know, kind of the, the Egyptology by way of uh, Hermetic Kabbalah and Golden Dawn type stuff. But that actually makes me, r reminds me of one thing I wanted to ask you about specifically, because actually mm -hmm. this coming Friday, I'm going to be doing a class where part of it is Introduction to the Vault of the Adepti. And I really appreciated your uh, illustration called Lamb. And uh, it seemed to be a very, uh, I, I, I was just wondering what the, what what you can tell me about what in what went into that the room that he was in at the time because I I don't know actually that much about Crowley himself and more of the school that he came from, uh, but but of course the symbolism of the room that he was in was very familiar to me. Uh huh. Uh, okay. Well, let's see. Uh, that was an experience thirteen years ago and. Yeah, I, I made that uh, digital painting. Yeah, um, almost thirteen years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, it was. Um, yeah, it, it was a ceremonial, a, a loose ceremonial magical ritual combined with some uh, Kundalini meditation. Mm. Um, that I did in my apartment in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, the room itself is the room that I was in. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was a renovated Victorian. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, like smoke room slash ballroom. So, so I had like fantastically, you know, cool, moody uh, plaster work. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, the, the room was, you know, the room that I was in having the experience, uh, and, uh, so it had those drawers on the walls. Um, yeah, they're like, um, you know, uh, window blinds things. How interesting. Um, yeah, and, and, and so on one side is, you know, the lunar and the other solar, um, uh, and, uh, the me being in the middle way, um, and having an experience of, uh, oneness in the sense of the inside being the outside and, 
um, the energy from the environment flowing into my form and my form into the environment. Um, and, um, yeah, my energy body being activated. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, I, so was frankly, the head above your head yours? <laughs> 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 um, you know, I could say no, but, uh, Maybe? It, <laughs> Yeah, I can't, I can't rule that out. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, la- lamb. Okay, so yeah, you know, you, you're you're probably familiar with uh, only peripherally. I've heard people okay. make jokes about it, but I, I I don't I don't I'm not in on the joke. <laughs> I know it has. I know that before there were people seeing that gray alien, and before there was you know it in movies there was Lamb, which was something that Crowley had invoked from maybe another dimension. Uh, but now that I mean, some people theorize that now that he's invoked it, now the gates open, and that's why these these flying yeah. saucers are popping through all the time, and why everybody's seeing it now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um <clears throat> yeah. Oh, it, it's it's been a fascination of mine because well, I mean, not only is it in, very intriguing and I found some like, you know, profound correspondences, but I've had like personal experiences that, you know, were very curious. Mm-hmm. Uh Okay, so back to the experience. Um, um, I, I'm, I'm not. The memory's not totally clear. I don't think I like implicitly intended to conjure Lamb, but um, I had the sense of this, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, being that uh, looks like a gray alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, present in the space around me and particularly above me of a questionable presence or intention. Uh, questionable more in the sense of like vac- being vacant. Hmm. V- uh, vacant of feeling. Yeah. <clears throat> um. And its presence being questionable as to what it was doing. Like, for instance, in the picture, uh, it kind of looks like the energy from my, like, crown chakra or third eye is going into its mouth. Hmm. Uh, Because... um, yeah, well, that that relates to other things that I think relate relates to the being of lamb. Uh, it, I think, it feeds on uh, raised energy, hmm. uh, which brings a whole other like subject, which I think is of prime significance to humanity, which is the ecology of energy and entities. Um, but like lamb, yeah, uh, being, this being that Crowley 
you know, somehow invoked and illustrated, which uh, he also articulated was like Tibet, the name being Tibetan for the way. And, and, and afterwards there's this, uh, uh, you know, uh, exponential occurrence in people's experience, um, personally and, and of course, culturally, because it increasingly became, um, became part of the, uh, vernacular yeah. vocabulary of, of like, you know, aliens and spaceships. Uh, but also, um, this is interesting. Um, <clears throat> uh, well, okay. To my back to my personal experiences, mm-hmm. uh, many times in which I was in an, ex, you know, a mind revealed space, uh, psychedelic space, I experienced. Um, uh, gray alien appearing beings, mm-hmm. uh, whether they seemed more akin to elves or trolls, or more explicitly, you know, astral or celestial beings. Uh, <clears throat> Um, so they're, they're quite common to my experience without any desire for that to be an experience. Yeah. Um, you know, uncalled for (laughs) and, and it was never, never an an obsession of mine at all. Um, and okay. And also related to this character of lamb, is well okay i i started doing like uh research into fetal development mm-hmm. uh because uh, quite I, I felt it was quite obvious that the way in which we uh develop <clears throat> you know early on in the in the first times of our psychic imprinting uh, would be very significant. So I looked into fetal development and discovered that at precisely 49 days from conception, mm-hmm. um, uh, when, you know, technically it's the first day that the entity is considered a fetus, not an embryo, it's the it's more or less the first time in which it has humanoid form explicitly. Uh, uh, we all look very much like a gray alien, like lamb. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, this is the point at which at just before when eyelids form. So at 49 days, there's big black almond eyes, tiny nose, tiny mouth, giant head how interesting tiny ears you know super similar that's when 
the pineal gland is discernible mm. and DMT floods the brain and body. That's when gender differentiates, when the fetus is either stays female or became, becomes male. Uh, yeah, and other things. And also, in some ancient, uh, ancient forms of, or bodies of knowledge of Buddhism, uh, that's when the soul, precisely then is when the soul <clears throat> incarnates into the body at 49 days. So, taking this into consideration, uh, I'm just like, okay, if that's true, then, um, and if the, you know, spiritual form of us can't, has any semblance of sight, then the original, our original face of who we are in bodily form is a gray alien, is hmm. lamb. Very interesting. And, and then taking into consideration Carl Jung's um, <clears throat> interpretation of, of uh, well, UFOs anyway. UFOs are like a mandala representing the wholeness of self. So it's, and, and also a, a spaceship, you know, a, a typical uh, circular spaceship is very much like the placenta, hmm. uh, which is the which is kind of like the direct mother ship for us because it's the we receive nutrition from the mother via the placenta spaceship, huh. and and the nutrition go gets into us into our sacral our emotions our emotional energy via the spaceship's ray you know the ray that comes down to abduct um, which is the umbilical cord from the that connects to us yeah, until that, that day that they knocked our tower of Babel down and now we have to make ourselves chicken McNuggets I don't know. <laughs> Please explain. Oh, my dad uh, had, he was into this idea and he didn't make it up, but he was explaining to me that there were these transdimensional beings um, that would get into our space by way of the Sirius system, but they were from somewhere else and uh, that they wanted our gold probably uh that there used to be a lot more gold on earth but they needed to sprinkle it into their atmosphere to stay alive or something and well, so it, it sounds like uh it sounds like the anunnaki from nibiru oh maybe um but basically they they tried to breed all of these different uh things that could do it because they didn't like our gravity so they were crossbreeding themselves with animals and they ended up creating all the demons and then they hid them under the earth uh, and and created mankind uh, out of a hominid, a lion, and themselves, and then huh. they created the greys out of birds, 
themselves with birds and then they were just they they could give a crap about us or not i think that they live on the other side of the moon or inside the moon or something and uh and they just check in on us and report back and they have their instructions but so it's kind of like yeah emotionless like if they if they get the instruction to wipe us out they'll do it without a second thought um but if they get the instruction to like give us you know, fusion, they'll do that too. Um, at least, so this was his whole, <laughs> you know, Are you serious. Yeah. Yeah. He, he would go on and on about it. And, and back in the eighties, he was telling me about December 12th, 2012. Uh-huh. And yeah. he, he thought it was going to be an ice age that that's what was going to happen. But, uh, so uh-huh. far so good on that one. Well, yeah. 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 I remember thinking with some seriousness, yeah. That, uh, 2012, because, there seemed to be a lot of uh, um, uh, evidence to think it's at least uh, of some significance. Yeah. Very interesting. There was one, uh, you had the Sigillium de Amet in the sky <clears throat> over a rainbow. Do you remember that one? Uh, there was a hand. Oh, Maybe okay. I'm thinking of two talking things. about lamb again because I had the... Oh, lamb! Oh, yeah, we were talking about lamb. They met on 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 the ceiling of lamb. But oh, yeah. that's the same one. Oh, there was another but, one that you. There was a. But but over the rainbow. Right. Um, you're, and then that one is fulfillment. Mm. Uh. Um, which is from the perspective of the galactic mother, so from her eyes, um. Uh, you're looking down. She's looking down at her pregnant belly, and inside is um, the Earth, and she's <clears throat> pregnant with the Earth, sitting on the co- uh, cosmic shore, aligned with the Sun. Uh, a, a, you know, a Rosicrucian, Rosy Cross. Oh yeah, emblazoned Sun. Uh, so, uh, so Earth aligned with the Sun, aligned with the center of the galaxy, at the top, and at the top, um, you know, o- over the my depiction of this um, kind of spaceship galaxy is the Siglin de Amet. Yeah, is it right if I use that one for the image for this episode? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever what, you want. What can you tell me about that one? <clears throat> fulfillment yeah the uh what was what was going on what how did it come about or whatever you want to share about it i'm just interested uh-huh. in knowing kind of background story because <laughs> i've known the image i've had it in my head for a long time you know when i think about cool psychedelic images i mean especially because not very many psychedelic artists you don't see alex gray throwing you know john d symbols into his work um but i mean i i, I can also appreciate moving beyond it uh, you know, because it's sort of like it can be a glass ceiling at a certain point yeah. where like, oh, these are tools that I can use to get beyond. But then if you don't let go of the tools, you'll never get beyond. You'll just kind of yeah, get stuck. Yeah, exactly. In. They're just simply tools. Yeah. Just vocabularies to get you someplace. To communicate even just with other humans. Yeah, precisely. And, you know, uh, um, good tools are that which, you know, are practical and useful because they link up with the cosmos because they, you know, 
fit into the structure of the cosmos. Yeah. Like, you need a Phillips head to <laughs> do, a, um, you know, a cross screw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, like so, the yeah. flower of life is like once you stare at it long enough, you're like, okay, this is pretty universal. Like anyone would, anyone with a compass could come up with this. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, exactly. So universal. Yeah. But that, that, then that's like one. That, that's a prime example of a symbol that, like uh, m me as an artist, I have somewhat of a eh, not a prejudice but a, um, a an artistic desire to use it very tastefully right and, and uniquely differently subtly because it's been become so popularized yeah. <laughs> and, and overused yeah i mean like a crutch yeah exactly um, uh, but okay, uh, yeah, fulfillment, yeah, as I was saying, it's uh, from the perspective of the galactic mother giving birth to the earth aligned with, uh, on the cosmic shore, aligned with the sun, which is aligned with the center of the galaxy. And over the, the center of the galaxy, which has the sign of truth, of God over it, the Siglum de Amit, um, over the center of the galaxy, and let's see, and in the center of the earth, and on her hand is is um, a, ki a kind of form of the Eye of Horus that I, that I painted, but not based on the Eye of Horus, but I was looking at NASA images of the center of the galaxy oh. and um, I uh, at, uh, in particular at the uh, the uh, the supermassive black hole at the center of the galaxy yeah. there's this um, and those stars quickly swirling around the drain yeah <clears throat> um, th there's this energy nexus uh, called Sagittarius A, mm -hmm. which which uh, shoots out a potent beam of energy that circumambulates around the galaxy every twenty six thousand years. Wow! <clears throat> um, and uh, very curiously, in Sagittarius A, there is an energy form. Uh, that looks like an eye of Horus hmm. that shoots out this energy beam that hypothetically um, catalyzes evolution. I can't help thinking about Sagittarius as the temperance path connecting Yasod with Typhirit and the, uh, you know, the beams of light shooting out being like the, the arrows. And then right there at Sagittarius A is the very tip of the arrow of Sagittarius. Yes. Trip. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what it does. It shoots an arrow of energy catalyzing awakening. And Sagittarius, I see or I perceive that it makes sense that it looks like an eye. Right. And yeah, it does. It looks like uh, the 
closest similarity I come up with is it looks like Eye of Horus. Yeah. How cool. Which, of course, if you slice a brain in half, then you see the pineal and the pituitary look like an Eye of Horus. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the hypothalamus. And you know they were slicing brains in half in ancient Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> so they probably knew that. Well, sure. Hmm. Yeah. Um, in Egypt, there was uh, uh, esoteric anatomy. Yeah. Was was a science. Uh, studying the cosmos by studying the body. Hmm. Um, so so th that factors in the painting, too. Because it's it's about the birth of the earth in alignment with with the sun, which is a uh, medium between us and the rest of the cosmos, hmm. um, and the birth of the earth being um, you know more or less uh, next stage of evolution. Wow. Yeah, I was just thinking the moon orbits the Earth, orbits the sun, orbits the black hole at the center of the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep, yep. Hmm. Wow. I, uh, I've, I've had a recurring experience in a psychedelic state, and I've seen, especially in Alex Gray paintings... I, you know, it's part of me is like, well, which came first, the chicken or the, or the egg? Was I hallucinating about Alex Gray paintings? <laughs> is this a place? It's the, uh, the, where you're surrounded by eyes, but straight up is white light. And, uh, and they talk about Azrael, the archangel of death, having wings covered in eyes. And, uh, and I, I've thought of the veil, the, like the veil that separate, the veil of illusion that, or that separates the, the illusion of the finite or the separate self from the infinite. And, uh, and that, that that's the one that has all the eyes on it. And I don't know. I mean, I've really gone deep into this on different substances. And and, uh, and there was one point where I felt like it was that, that the superego was the many eyes on this veil that, that I knew what they were all thinking. And I, they all wanted me to behave this way and not that way. And it's just really interesting stuff. Do you have any thoughts about what I just was rambling about? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay. Well... The place of many uh, eyes. Yeah, when when you said they wanted you to behave in a certain way. Yeah, like they were my well, ancestors. Oh, okay. So they were that, looking in on me for their own reasons. I mean, in this particular one, that was that was you know it was mushrooms as opposed to <laughs> you know different experiences. Yeah. So, so so they wanted you to behave in a way that was more what ethical and more, more like them but i had uh, my but uh, my dad was uh at that time it was like there was a cacophony of 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 ideas about um opinions about me but it was it was when i looked at them it was it was the it was as if it were the voices of my ancestors and at a certain point i had to step in and explain that you know i'm my father's son also not just the great-grandson of these Puritan types, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and to try to yeah. try to show them the yes. that it's yes. all part of the greater good, that, that Jesus is more than just Bible-thumping, you know, and uh, all of that, you know, like try to reconcile all these threads in my own psyche, I guess, or in my subconscious. Okay, so, so these ancestors <clears throat> weren't necessarily, you know, wise, but they were yeah. ancestors as in... 
Ghosts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Ghosts that um, you're connected to and their presence as eyes. Do, do you think that they were the actual ancestors? I, actual I was thinking more of the, uh, my, my projection. Shells? I think that they're probably, I mean, in my most skeptical place i th i think that they're they're created by me um and that basically it's i'm taking the experience of having had you know both my parents passed away and all my grandparents so i i knew two of my grandparents and uh both of my parents and so but then i have all of the pictures you know i inherited you know all the photos and so i have generations and generations of these black and white photos and I've and I and I can tell the story I'm the only person who knows the life stories of these people so the only place they exist really in the world is in my head and my ability to tell stories about them and uh and so when I got into a deep psychedelic state I I, I felt like you know they were uh looking at me from what I would imagine to be their point of view given what I know about their lives but if I really was connecting with their souls I'm sure that they would be able to see beyond these uh, yeah. sort of surface things. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Whether it's more like a superego phenomenon, like my own projection of what I think society wants, or something. Yeah. What? Yeah. Whether well, it might it, it might be a bit more than that. Um, I, I mean, maybe I'm saying maybe more than just your idea of them, but it's the ideas of them like ideas as inherently empty hmm. um devoid of meaning being the clephotic shells hmm. of their souls yeah um uh, you know what's cast off as they passed on right and, and being being you know the the uh static ghosts um you know, left behind as imprints in our uh, continuum. It's like a haunting, or like yeah, some yeah. kind of possession. <laughs> so yeah, um, or yeah, makes me think. Uh -huh. or I, I mean, it, on on one hand, it's like you know how we uh, we can say, oh, you know, I, I got this trait from my dad. Oh, and he got it from his dad. So it's may, maybe in in that in that state I was perceiving kind of, you know, in an overwhelming, it was a little overwhelming at the time, but I was perceiving in depth, like all the, all of the ways in which, uh, my mannerisms and my ways of thinking come from the, that which was passed down directly from my ancestors. And then it, there was a sense of like wanting to break out, wanting to, you know, yes. not, not be the the sum total of that and the interesting thing that happened was once i got through it and i was starting to come down and i started describing it to the person i was with and i i i said that uh i said my great grandmother grace who i've never met was being really judgmental and then suddenly i heard her voice in my head say i didn't know you could hear me and oh. and she was really like i'm so sorry i i if i'd known that you could hear me i wouldn't have been you know, i thought i was just having those thoughts privately and uh and so then it got really interesting at that point 
And then, and then I actually counterintuitively, because I was very anti-grid, anti-everything that, you know, was indirectly contributing to, you know, wars and other countries. And I still am, of course, but I was, that was where my focus was. It was 2011, Occupy was going strong. And then on 11, 11, 11, I took this heroic dose. And, and at the end of it, I, uh, I, I opened up a beer and I said, thanks to my, thanks to God and to my ancestors for, for developing beer and cans and mass production so that I can open this beer right now and enjoy it by the fire, you know? And it was just like it, talking about everything being connected. Like I was able to kind of go there and, 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 uh, one of the things that kind of clicked for me was the idea that our blood uses iron to transport oxygen to our brain. And also we in our scale use iron to make trucks to move iron cans of, of beer for me to, to open up by the fire, you know, and it was like, these things aren't necessarily like, you know, the, what we call unnatural is a little bit arbitrary, you know, and I, I like that line from Love and Rockets. Uh, you cannot go against nature Because when you do Go against nature is part of nature too <laughs> yeah right it's all nature it's all the same thing okay i'm gonna dub that in <laughs> well sure we are uh, we are a an expression of nature so we may be a uh a weird one <laughs> yeah we're coming up with AI when, <laughs> like, turtles didn't do that, you know? <laughs> plants didn't do that. But plants might already be an AI, but it wouldn't be artificial, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we are nature, and we, and so, and we kind of discover that no matter kind of what we do, nature speaks through us. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, when you see ants doing the same things, like when we're working using computer models to figure out the best way to move things around, move move goods and services, and then it, it ends up we're doing exactly the same thing that insects do. <laughs> yeah, just doing it with computers instead of you know yep. scent or so, something. <laughs> just a higher extrapolation of ants. Yeah. <laughs> the trip. Well, is there anything? Oh, uh, but, uh, regarding yeah. the eyes thing, uh, the oh, yeah. experience of mine that uh, sounds similar to what you were describing was uh, one time uh, I, I smoked some, not very much, but a little bit of DMT. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, became aware, perceived a um what 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 seemed to be uh the inside of my auric egg mm. um which was a, uh um it's it the 
my org egg my org egg structure was um like a you know uh countlessly faceted crystal mm. each facet being like an eye or a window through which um a particular um entity or hypothetically ancestor um uh, uh observed yeah. what was what was going on inside the oric egg hmm. and and i had a i had a I had a strong sense that these beings looking through the window facet eyes into my world within the egg, um, they had a, an influence on what, how the world was shaped. Um, uh, if if not for myself, at least for other people, hmm. other beings in the world, uh, like as if they observed in order to make observations to record and learn, I guess. Yeah, um, and they had an influence on events. And so, and and so I, uh, I forget exactly what, but I basically um, uh, pleaded with them very tearfully to. Uh, uh, I'm not sure what. I basically f to forgive. Yeah. And to and to love. And every everyone just wants to be healthy and happy. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was I was left with a you know a very positive feeling um, re regarding that, and of uh, and of course um, profound. Um. But yeah, it's it's like it's like th there's. There's ghosts. There's watchers uh, that influence events by observing. It makes our... me think of a TV show and uh, people commenting on a YouTube channel for a for you know what I you, you know what I mean like it influences the writers somehow like consciously or unconsciously they change the direction that the show's going because the fans wanted it a certain way like yes. uh, like if there's enough watchers that are all kind yeah. of like wanting it to go a certain direction that makes me think of the hungry ghosts in uh, Vajrayana Buddhism or you know if yeah. you have someone that wants rage or you have someone that wants lust or you know mm. a ghost that that just wants to thrive on the feeling of you eating a hamburger you know and they, they, you know, it didn't satisfy them because they didn't get to really experience it. So they make you have another one, you know, it's like a bad, yeah. bad situation. 
Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, exactly. It's like not writers changing the direction of the show based on what it seems that the fans, yeah. the audience wants. So people live and, their lives based on what these eyes, they think the eyes want or what they think that other people's expectations or maybe even the watchers. Yeah. Energy flows where attention goes. Yeah. Um, and, and the subject of hungry ghosts. Yes. Uh, uh, we're, it's, yeah, it's become, uh, kind of pr- pretty clear to me from, you know, personal observational experience and just, and just research of, um, you know, wisdom, Gnostic, shamanic traditions, um, regarding, um, uh, an invisible ecology of energy and entities that we are surrounded by um, uh, locally and non-locally connected potentially to entities that um, feed on energy. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they... you know, um, uh, uh, a, a whole spectrum, you know, whether symbiotic and, and give as much or more than they take, um, that's beneficial or, or parasitic or, or, or at least in the sense of, uh, destructive, where these entities have evolved over, at least over our evolutionary development as conscious, relatively conscious beings, um, to, to give, to give, to catalyze in us what will, um, catalyze from within us, their food source right. that they've um, learned to like consuming. So that kind of ties it back to the lamb with the light from yeah. the third eye going into its mouth. Yeah, yeah. So would that be the light of a third eye that's been activated by ceremonial magic and psychedelics specifically or something else? Um, sure. Maybe. Sure. Uh-huh. The, well, maybe the most awake, alert, enlightened people. It's interesting. Hmm. There's. Have you read uh, Shoryangama Sutra? Um, in uh, um, volume eight. Uh, I have a. I, I recited it in episode 77 of this podcast. It's pretty fun, but it's like three hours. Um, but there's a... Uh, well, I will have to look it up. It doesn't. It doesn't ring a bell right now. There's. Uh, it, it, it's about the interaction of different kinds of demons with people who have prematurely decided that they are sages and uh-huh. their students. And so, uh, so basically, when a when a new when when someone is meditating and they 
you know, uh, reach a certain level of stillness. They use a certain kind of language. I, I forget the word. Um, they and then, but then they start to desire. They start to they start to have a little bit of a desire for immortality or great wealth or you know to to be the wisest person in the world. Whatever it is that they're uh, the little thing that creeps in with alongside their genuine thirst for peace and you know. Uh, the meditative state and so once that happens then a demon from the heavens sees that opportunity and it quickly grabs one of these idiots that have decided that they're a sage <laughs> and then but then there's a, a different section where it talks about um for the people who are really getting somewhere and it says okay so when you get to the place where you see all the rainbows and you see the many thousands of buddhas and all the buddha lands and you see the beautiful palaces that's called such and such it doesn't mean you're a sage <laughs> and then the next one is uh when you realize that every time you take a step you're killing life and that life is precious and that and that it makes you weep that's a beautiful state it'll pass you're not a sage now and it just keeps going through all of these <laughs> different things and it says if you think you're a sage you'll be vulnerable to the demon's influence and then like in the next part of it it's talking about yeah when when a this kind of student comes along a demon will grab one of these <laughs> these idiots who think they're a sage prematurely and come running in and and uh interpret the dharma with the slant that the student is hungry for and in the end the demon will get bored and leave and both the teacher and the student will be in trouble with the law it's this 8th century Mahayana text. It's really, it, it oh. says, says a lot. I mean, it's all very fantastical in, in the situations. Oh, it's fantastic. It's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I am for sure going to be listening to that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess today while I paint. Nice. <laughs> My intro is a bit long, but once you get into it, I, I, I did music. It took me forever to do that one. So there's there's a lot of music and uh, you know, connected to what's being said. So I'll send you the link when we're done here. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks. Cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that, yeah. That's why it's always good to have a a uh, a good sense of humor. Yeah, and um, some degree of uh, cynicism and making fun of yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> because... a special kind of humility. Like, uh, yeah. not that yeah. contrived humility that religious people put on in front of people. <laughs> Look how humble I am in these robes, you know. But, like, <laughs> like the genuine humility of being able to laugh at yourself because you're a silly monkey. And not only that, but it's the, a crazy universe. And <laughs> we're, we walk and the universe moves around this monkey in the middle. And, and we take it for granted <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and we think that's normal and we should be upset because we're not getting enough attention from someone we like or whatever it is. You know, like, that we get all caught up in and completely take for granted the just the the endless fractal miraculous existence that that, that that's all around us yep yeah well <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that's just me <laughs> i don't know I'm not speaking for everyone oh, i guess no it certainly is not just you <laughs> you're not alone we're all one well i i definitely love your work i remember okay so the magdalene that was the mother of your child, right? No, uh-uh. Okay, different person. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's more of that's more of just a third eye vision. Oh wow. Okay. Not not, not based on a person. If if any if anything, it's based on my anima. Hmm. How cool. 
Yeah, I had a profound experience with mine a few months ago. She was dressed up like Red Tara. <laughs> interesting. Oh. I mean, that's the way that I put it. I've been praying to Red Tara, and then I was in a psychedelic experience where kind of my other half showed up, and it was, uh, and she oh, looked okay. like me. So it was like a, she was oh. my age. She was my, you know, like she looked like she could be a cousin or something. But uh, but she was dressed in the clothes of Red Tara. I assume if I were to meet Red Tara, she'd look like she was from, you know, Nepal or something, <laughs> Tibet. But maybe those are just assumptions. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, uh, yeah, Magdalene was more uh, a third eye vision, uh, you know, of, of the, you know, goddess archetype that she, yeah. she is, um, in a, in a very personal form, but she is, she is, uh, form itself. So, like, you know, in, in that painting, you see that, you know, you see the figure, but you see her, uh, she doesn't have feet because she, her figure is a, uh, flows from the, uh, toroidal space hmm. that surrounds her. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, you know, has a, you know, toroidal apple energy flow, um, and and is a tapestry of stars. Yeah, making that beautiful pattern. Mm. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me. I'm just trying to visualize it. <laughs> yeah. How cool. Where's do you you have a website, right? Yeah, um, adamscottmiller.com. You know what infuriates me is when I see your work used without credit for people that are selling some kind of new age bullshit. Okay. I see that too often because you're one of the top, you know, like four or five of that kind of artist that people would want to steal a picture from. And I'm like, I always, it's like, uh, there's uh, Amanda Sage, there's mm -hmm. Luke Brown. I see sometimes out there. Um, and then there's the one other guy. I forget his name. He had the one with the the woman on the left side of the screen, and I thought it was yours, but then I looked it up, and it turned out it was someone else, and I forgot his name. But yeah, sometimes I'll just see like, come to our workshop and learn about the different levels of such and such, and it's like the only reason that anybody would click on that is because of the art, and it's like ah. Uh -huh. Yeah, nice and, and and then they don't give credit. Yeah. yeah just what? It's obnoxious. So I'll comment and I'll say, you know, oh, that's a very nice Adam Scott Miller you got there, you know. Oh, okay. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, uh, it's, yeah, kind of a little, a little nauseating, just the yeah. hypocrisy of, of, uh, advertising integrity and, you know, spiritual altruistic principles, but then, um, doing things without permission or credit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I paint, uh, oil paintings for the most part, digital paintings occasionally, uh, uh, if it's, if it's a commission job, so I, I choose to digitally paint based on how much time I have mm -hmm. to do something. Um, but yeah, I'm available for commissions, whether for 
uh, personal usage or for you know jobs for albums or books etc um, and I occasionally teach workshops like my next workshop is at a eco retreats in uh, Australia called Paradise One I'll be uh, teaching a 10-day workshop with uh, Chris Dyer who's a lovely guy and uh, I, I get, uh, the official visionary skateboard artist or gra graffiti artist nice. um, yeah and on my website people can um, order um, original artwork and artwork reproductions uh, by emailing me and on each artworks page is uh, the various print options. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for being our guest on the Esoteric Nerd podcast. Uh, thank you, Frater. It, um, it's uh, a pleasure talking with a fellow esoteric nerd. <laughs> Likewise, likewise. <laughs> and uh, if I end up in Australia, I'll definitely hit you up. I don't know where I'm going to land or where, because I, I, I'm going to be in Nepal, then Bhutan, mm. and then either mm. India or China. I want to get into Tibet. But then people in, in Serbia want me to visit and Sweden. And so I, I think I might just kind of move slowly in some direction or other. And uh, so who knows? I, I have cousins in New Zealand, so I might end up in the neighborhood. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, please do. And uh, yeah, I'll uh, be sure to connect with you in person next time in, I'm in L.A. Sounds good if I, if I ever end up back here. <laughs> oh, if you ever do. Yeah, I, I don't know where, where I'm going to land in the end, but uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Great. Cool. Um, and uh, by the way, to, to uh, anyone who might be interested in esoteric artwork, uh, I'd love to be commissioned to do esoteric subject matter. Nice. I, you know, you know, particularly of uh, um, an esoterically nerdy style. <laughs> you hear that, everybody? <laughs> cool. Yeah, definitely. I, I well, I, I hope that somebody hears this, gets connected with you, and I look forward to seeing that artwork. Yeah. Ditto. Nice. Cool. Great talking with you, bro. Likewise. Have a great uh, day, is it, over there? Uh, yeah. Okay, it cool. It is uh, just about four in the afternoon. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm going to go to sleep, and then I'm, I'll edit this and put it up tomorrow. <laughs> okay, great. Cool. All right, much love, bro. Much love. I'll talk to you again. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you, Adam Scott Miller, for being our guest on the Esoteric Nerd podcast tonight. Thank you to Susumu Ueda and his father and the other monks at Jofukuin Temple on Mount Koyasan for the music you're hearing right now. Special thanks to Jean-Michel Jarre for the music that I played in the background during Transformations and Footnotes. Special thanks to Tool, whose track Schism in the background briefly when that album was mentioned. Special thanks to Love and Rockets for the track No New Tale to Tell. And special thanks to you, the Esoteric Nerd, listening to this podcast. 
And if you happen to be near Burbank and you're hearing this on the day it comes out or the week it comes out, Part 5, Typhirit, Introduction to the Vault of the Adepti, and so on, will be taking place at the Crooked Path Occult Apothecary on Magnolia Boulevard in Burbank this Friday, November 10th at 8 p.m. It's $20, and uh, hopefully I'll see you there. And the following Thursday, November 17th, I'll be arriving in South Africa. I have a feeling I'll be recording an episode from there, but we'll see. Thank you all for tuning in. Good night. Oh.